I do want to chat with you here about the topic up here on the screen. I've really got three points in my message tonight, uh, and it, the verses get you know from one verse to two verses to ten verses in the last one, but I think you'll enjoy reading them. I'd like you to take your Bible and go to the book of Isaiah in chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26 in verse number 3. And then once you've done that, I want you to grab your red hymnal, and I am fairly certain, hope that's the wrong hymn, hang on just a second, I gotta, I gotta look at it. It's a beautiful hymn, I first heard it when we were uh, doing choir, it's uh, 343. If you go to that one, 343, it's beautiful. I remember hearing um, Larry play this for the first time. Larry was, uh, you know, let's talk about Larry for a moment. Excellent piano player. The best that I have ever heard. Uh, We were extremely blessed to have him here. Very blessed to have Dana as well. Cindy has also filled in uh, Miss Polson before that. But what was really unique about Larry was... I think you'd be surprised by this next little factoid. He didn't read music. It was all by ear. And it was a little bit of a challenge when we were doing choir. Of course, this was before COVID and all this. You know, things just changed. It's a sad reality, but things just changed. And we did this song. And I remember sitting with him right down over there. Well, actually, it was right over here where the piano, because he used that piano during that time. And we would go through and play these things and, you know, try to figure it out. And I would help. How am I supposed to help someone like Larry, you know? But I'd do my best. And he would go home and he would work on it and come back and be better every time. But the way he would play this song, it's with a musical phrasing and it's called uh, swelling dynamics. And that's where you have a crescendo or an increase in volume and then a decrescendo. You can always kind of, you can almost imagine that as... uh, waves that are lapping up on the shore. And this song always stuck with me. We'll sing a little bit of it in a certain period of time, but not right now. I want to read a little bit of this song, and then I want you to see where in the Bible the writer of this song uh, drew his source from. Look in verse 1. Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace, over all victorious in its bright increase. Perfect, yet it floweth, fuller every day. Perfect, yet it groweth, deeper all the way. Stayed upon Jehovah. That's the phrase I want you to dwell on here, because that's where we get the, the Scripture. Stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding, as He promised, perfect peace and rest. Hidden in the hollow, of his blessed hand. You can imagine here a hand that is cupped and there's a, there's a little hollow space there. It's, this, is, this is a safe space. Now I know in today's culture that's like a trigger word. You know, It's like we need our safe spaces. But isn't it good to know we have an eternally safe space? We're held in the hand of the, uh, of the Son who is held by the Father. Isn't that great? You can go to John 10 for that proof. Hidden in the hollow of his blessed hand, never foe can follow 
Never traitor stand. Not a surge of worry, not a shade of care, not a blast of hurry. Touch the spirit there. Stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding as he promised, perfect peace and rest. So we'll sing this third one here. And if you don't know it, that's fine. You can just listen along. But if you know it, I would encourage you to sing with me too. Every joy or trial falleth from above, traced upon our dial by the Son of Love. We may trust Him fully, all for us to do. They who trust Him wholly find Him wholly true. Stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding as He promised perfect peace and rest beautiful isn't that lovely i am praying that is stuck in your head it's a beautiful melody not only that it is amplified in the truth of this statement well where can we find it where can we find it well that's why we're in isaiah 26 and verse 3 this is about a song that will be sung sometime in the future Isaiah had some very serious prophecies. Um, A lot of what he said was inflammatory to the nation of Israel because they were disobedient, but he also brought about many prophecies about the Messiah. But he says this, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. And this is what I want you to see, notice, and understand here. First of all, that word stayed. We don't use that uh, in our culture as much as it was used when this translation was done, but it means to be propped up. You ever prop something up really well? You're almost impressed. You're like, wow, that is better than what it was before. (laughs) I'll tell you a personal story. I have a gate at my house where the hinges had rusted out, and I knew at some point I was going to have to replace those things. But man, I don't know why this screw hanging on for its dear life just worked really well when I lifted it and propped it. And it had that pressure. I would see the screw. It was like a, a tuning fork. I could tune a piano with that thing. You could strike it and it would have a, a ring to it. But it worked for a long time. And, and the entire gate was propped up on that one screw. Now, ultimately, I had to replace it with something, you know, reliable, something that's not broken. That was a honeydew list that was on there for probably about three months. But I remember getting that fixed and everything worked properly. And I thought, man, that's a gate that works correctly. That swings in and closes as it should be. But the idea of propping something up here, the idea is not, you know, like a band-aid or something like that. This is a full, secure position. Another way to understand this Hebrew word is to lean upon And we can see a lot of illustrations in Scripture where we are to lean into the Lord, and you only lean into something that you trust. And this is why I want you to see the importance of this verse here. The perfect peace 
comes from the one that is propped up by him or is leaning on him, but there's a reason, there's an initiation. Why? Well, we know because God is good and he's faithful to deliver on his promises, but the person exercises trust. This is why when you hear somebody say, trust God, it's not that we're trusting him for eternal life and then our trust ceases and we now have to go back to trusting ourselves. Walking in the Spirit is not trying to do the very best that you can yourself. It's leaning into the Lord. And there's a promise there. You're going to find a perfect, complete peace. And if you're still there in that hymn, the reason why we sang verse 3 is because of that last line. We may trust Him fully, all for us to do. They who trust Him wholly. Not wholly as though we're set apart, but full with everything that we have, in every area of our life, we submit that to the Lord. We trust in Him. And those who trust Him wholly find Him wholly true. There's not one area of our life that we can lean on the Lord and all of a sudden we fall through and He says, well, you didn't, I didn't, not, you can't trust me for that. Everything else you can. He covers it all. He covers it all. So you can lean fully into the Lord. I like the imagery that's in this song. It's beautiful. And every time I think of the word peace, I think of this beautiful uh, hymn. So you can close that hymn book there. And I want you to go now to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to go to the New Testament now, the book of Ephesians in chapter 2. I left my Bible at home, so I'm, I'm using technology tonight. But I'll definitely give you the opportunity with those quick fingers to get there. But I like this one, not because of, you know, obviously we just covered this a couple of Sundays ago. We went through the last half of Ephesians chapter 2. But there's also something here that I just, I want you to pay attention to in verses 14, 15, and 16. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Contextually speaking, and we didn't cover the context here, this is that salvation is available through Jesus Christ for the circumcised and the uncircumcised, for the Jewish person and for the heathen Gentile. This is a great message. This is great news because everything was kind of shut up before this. There was, there was red tape. There was bureaucracy. Not to say that a Gentile could not get saved, but there was so much going on that inhibited that from happening. And Paul is writing in Ephesians in these first three chapters just a great prayer, so to speak, about or statement of fact about the believer. He says that he is our peace because all that was within the way is removed. Now I can look at somebody no matter what their ethnicity is, no matter what their cultural background is, no matter what their language is, so long as I can translate. And if that person has put their trust in Christ, that is my brother, that is my sister. In Christ, those barriers have been broken down. Isn't our society fueled in a class system right now? I mean, things are so backwards now that there's some places that prefer now to go back to segregation. They prefer that. And we're going, hello. This, you know, it was not long ago that these things were changed and now here we are back again. 
Why? Because man puts up barriers. We compartmentalize. We do all these different things and say, no, you know, this is for us and not for you. We're seeing it very frequently now with race. It's everywhere with race. And isn't it good to know that if you lead somebody to Christ, doesn't matter what their skin color is, the blood of Christ has been applied. And that is peace that we can achieve through faith in who? That's what I want you to note here. The he in, in verse 14, for he is our peace. This is Jesus. You draw that to verse 16. He again is mentioned, might reconcile. Beautiful word here. Good word for you to know the meaning of. It is to remove that which is in the way. Okay? What was between the Jew and the Gentile? Of course, they had privilege. They had, in their minds, lifted up in pride. How is that now removed? The blood of the cross. It's been removed. Actually, they're in a new thing. And Ephesians chapter 3 says that. Paul says that there's this mystery that the Jew and Gentile are together in one body. But we have to recognize the price that was paid for that. But you can achieve peace with your brother and sister in Jesus Christ. And then the last thing I want you to see is we can have an attitude of rejoicing and unbiased contentment that brings about peace. And this is where we're going to look at that little lengthy passage here in Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. Oh, you thought I was going to go to verse 7. Well, we, we could have, but you know that one. You know the one that says, The peace of God which passeth understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But I want you to see, Paul, I believe, he works out that verse. And he tells you what's everything's are good and all that. You dwell on those things, you do it. That's good. But now he gets personal. I, I, if, if you want to see an interesting study, look at the last few verses in all of Paul's letters. He gets detailed. He mentions people by name. Pray for so-and-so, for this person, all, all of those things. And he does that here in verses 10 through 20. Look at what he says. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want. We need to explain verse 10 there. What does he mean by you know, the care? It's most likely referring to the monetary uh, gift that was given to him. Now, it could have been a material thing. We're not absolutely sure. I would, I would lean towards that the Philippian church provided for him. They had an opportunity, or they, they had an opportunity to do it before, but it, it, it went away from them. They're able to do it now. He's saying, I've received it. Thank you. But he wants to teach a lesson here in verse 11. He just said, you dwell on these things, you do these things that you've heard and understand, that's how you get peace. There could be a conflict in that, well, I have peace now because my bills are paid. I have peace now because I have health insurance, whatever it may be. But I want you to see what Paul says here in verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want. Even if he had nothing, he still have everything. For I have learned, this is a strong phrase, he learned these things. <coughs> How do you learn? Through experience. Through experience. What does he learn? In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be what? Content. I wish athletes put this verse, you know? <laughs> they put verse 13 and apply it to, you know, catching jump balls, hitting home runs, all that kind of stuff. 
But boy, wouldn't it be great to just be content where you are with what you got? You know how many problems that would solve? Today, right now? But I'm not healed, but I'm not whole. You are whole. You are healed. Spiritually. You know, the promise in John 6.39 is that we're going to be raised up again at the last day. You know, in order to be raised up, you had to have died. We're all going to die. That's going to happen. We're either sick over a long process of time or suddenly. Losing a loved one suddenly is a, it's a shock. It's jarring. It could happen to any of us. We're not guaranteed today. We're not guaranteed the next few minutes. Paul said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. He explores further. And remember, as you're reading this, this is not Paul going, oh, I've got to finish Philippians today. I, you know, I'm working on my outline. What am I going to say? He's being led by the Holy Spirit to write these things. This is God's communication through Paul and his experience for you and for me. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Doesn't that verse have a different color now? It just kind of glows differently now that you see it in the context. That'll change a lot. What's Paul saying here? My strength is not in your financial donation, not in my belly being full or empty, not in being abased, which is made very low, or abounding, which is to be living it well. His strength is in Christ. That's where he has everything. 14, notwithstanding, ye have done well. So he's not trying to make them feel bad that they're giving him money or that they're taking care of him. He's thanking them that ye did communicate my affliction Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. While he was in Thessalonica, which you read 1 Thessalonians, Paul and the apostles felt very fondly of those in Thessalonica. They They received the truth. They needed some correction. They needed to be told, you haven't missed... (laughs) the coming of the Lord. And he gave him some very good, encouraging words, but that ministry took care of him. Even while he was there, though, the Philippians sent need twice. And he was thankful for that. But I want you to see here in verse 17, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. You ever want to see if the, the heart of your pastor is right? See where his intentions lie. You want to see if a missionary is worthy of support? What are they focused on? I was talking with Trent about this earlier. I don't even remember why we were talking about it, but we were in Titus about not being self-willed. Not uh, An elder should not be doing things for filthy lucre. Boy, a lot of pastors today, that's the definition of their ministry. They'll come out there in the most beautiful suit I've ever seen. And it'll be so pressed if they were to bend over, the suit would crack, you know? And they say things like, I need my $73 million private jetliner. And it's like, huh? What? What do you you mean? Is it possible for godly leaders to become ungodly and make merchandise out of you? Absolutely. 
Paul's intentions here was, I want you to grow spiritually. I want you not to, I, I don't want you to be barren. I want you to be fruitful and, and, and multiply these blessings that will be put to your account. Peter says the same thing. You add to your faith all these different things in 2 Peter, and it is a guarantee that you will neither be unbarren nor unfruitful, but you'll abound. Must be something to rewards. Must be something to that judgment seat of Christ, that gold, silver, and precious stone, that trying of fire. Look at 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad it doesn't say, but my God shall supply all your need according to the savings account on Waters Avenue. Here's the account number and routing number. Don't lose it and check the balance often. Set the low balance alert. Isn't it good that the source of this provision comes from Jesus Christ? He'll never have a low balance alert. You understand what I'm saying there? That'll never happen. And this is how we can have peace. Now, 20, unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. He's got a few more verses there, and we can read those. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Isn't that awesome? These are real, real people, real circumstances, and it's real peace that we can experience. So you may have come in here today and you're sweating it. For whatever reason, I don't know. I don't pretend to know. But can I tell you this? You've got everything that you need right now. There's a home in heaven that is being prepared for you. You have spiritual blessings in high places drawn off of Jesus Christ Himself. You have eternal life. This is how we can have peace. And when you learn to be stayed, to be propped up, to lean on the Lord, that's where the real blessings are. You lean into Him holy, you'll find Him holy true. Amen? But that's, a, that's something we have to learn. Paul had to learn it. We have to learn it too. The prosperity gospel teachers, you can close your Bibles. The prosperity gospel teachers will tell you, you get signed up with me and I'll give you everything in my 65-page book. You know, I heard a joke one time. The humble man said, I, uh, very humble man, you know, not a lot of pride. I wrote a book about it, Humility and How I Achieved It. <laughs> Dr. Arnold told me that one. <laughs> I was at the Grace Conference, and I thought, that's, that's a good one. We don't buy God's blessings. We experience them right now. We can have a little taste of what fellowship in heaven will be like when we're faithful to take care of each other and to ask God to meet our needs, and He'll meet the need. He'll meet the need. But that's real peace. And I I talked about this because there's a lot of chaos going on in the world right now. And there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians. They're getting on the social media. They're they're using their phones and and all the new apps and stuff. You know, and I'll see it. I'll go through and see all these things. And I'm going, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. Many of them use their own thinking. Very few of them use the Bible. 
Matter of fact, when I see a Bible verse, I get excited. I actually pay attention, and then most of the time it's so poorly ripped out of context. But there are some people who are getting it right, and we have those people on our channels uh, on Bible Line. Go check them out. We have all those links there. But you shouldn't need a YouTube account or anything like that to help you trust the Lord. You've got the Word. I have to look at my, I have to tap my iPad tonight, you know. But you have the Word of God. I pray that's been an encouragement to you. Look up here if you would. Let's be reminded of the greatest news in all the world. If this hand represents you and me, I'll let my wallet represent sin. I put this on top of my hand because the Bible says, for all have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. We have to be absolutely perfect to get to heaven, of which we will never achieve. And the wages of this sin, which separates us from God, is death, eternal separation from Him forever, in a literal fire-burning hell. God loves us very much, hates this sin, because it does separate us from Him. And there's no amount of good deeds changing something, changing the appearance of it, turning over a new leaf, promising to do good, or actually doing your best. Those things won't save you. It's not a valid form of payment for sin. The wages of sin is death. Somebody's got to die. This hand will represent Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, fully God and fully man. And He came and lived a perfect life, not to show you how to do it, not to show me the way to do it, but He went to that cross to die in my place, to die in your place. The Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that He gave His only begotten Son, that's Jesus Christ, that whosoever, anybody, believeth in Him, should not perish but have everlasting life. Salvation is not found in any other name. It's not found in any other method or way. Save faith alone in Jesus alone. And when you put your trust in Him, you are passed from death unto life. You'll never be brought under condemnation again. You have eternal life. It's the whole message of 1 John, that you may know that you have eternal life. And now you can have fellowship with the Lord today. You don't have to wait. You can experience that joy and fellowship now. But your eternal life is settled. Pastor, how? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Will you go to the Lord in prayer with me, please? Heads are bowed, nice are closed, nobody's looking around. If you're watching on the internet and that makes sense to you, please reach out, let us know. We'd love to pray for you. I know all of you here in the audience personally. I pray that you can learn to fully lean on the Lord. It is practice. But if you've got something that's robbing you of your joy, maybe it's yourself. You know, you got some things that you just are not letting the Lord handle. Trust Him. But I don't know. I, I don't feel. Just trust Him. Have assurance in His Word. Father, thank You for tonight and every night that we can be here together. In Jesus' name we pray these things.